Well, hey there. Welcome to the Strong and Sculpted podcast. This is me, your host, Kim Constable. And this podcast, of course, is about all things strong and all things sculpted. And I'm kind of like tripping over my words a little bit here because I am so excited for what is about to come. Today, I am interviewing none other than world famous bodybuilder, Dorian Yates. Now, if you don't know who Dorian Yates is, let me just tell you a quick story. Whenever I first started training with my trainer, Mark Getty, um, I remember that Mark put me through a leg day that caused me not to be able to walk properly for about nine days. I'm not joking. My legs, I think, were sore for 11 days after I trained Mark. In fact, I remember saying to my husband, Ryan, at the time, I was like, Ryan, I actually think I've damaged my legs. He was like, you haven't damaged your legs. I was like, no, I swear to God, I think I nearly have. I've damaged them. Like, Mark's damaged some kind of muscle fibers. And he was laughing at me as I was walking backwards down the stairs. A lot of you will have heard this story before. And the reason why I had, you know, gone through so much pain training with Mark was because I had never trained the way Mark trains. Now, Mark trains using a style of training called high intensity training. High intensity training is, you know, what you guys are all familiar with. If you follow me, um, it's where you, your training is pretty short. You've only got maybe five, you know, four, five, six exercises per training day. You're only maybe training four or maximum five days a week if you split your leg days. But the principles of high intensity training is that you go to concrete muscle failure in your final set. So you're basically overloading the muscle. You're stimulating it in such a way that causes it to grow. Now, Mark first became aware of high-intensity training through following Dorian Yates. In fact, I would go as far to say that Dorian Yates is kind of one of Mark's, or not any only one of Mark. Dorian Yates is Mark's bodybuilding idol, okay? So whenever I first started training with Mark, you know, I was asking him, well, who are your guys that you, you know, that you would follow or who do you really look up to in bodybuilding? As I was getting to know Mark better and he said, you know, Dorian Yates, you know, he said, Dorian Yates, I've always just adored Dorian Yates. And I didn't even know who Dorian Yates was at the time because, you know, I guess I was a professional bodybuilder, but, you know, he very much has a male audience. But whenever you hear him speak, you will, you will just absolutely love him. He's so knowledgeable. Um, he has so much to share, but apart from anything, you know, apart from just being an absolutely awesome guy, the way Dorian Yates trains and what he knows about training can get people results in such a short space of time. It's the reason why training in the way Dorian teaches, which he will say isn't his style of training. He actually developed it first from Arthur Jones, um, who developed the Nautilus machines. And then from from there, Mike Menser picked it up. And then he picked it up from Mike Menser and kind of adapted it into his style of Dorian Yates training. And um, this style of training really does get spectacular results. I mean, it, you get results so quickly training this way. And I am testament to this because anyone who has seen my progress photos will see how fast I built muscle training the way that Mark trained me and the way that Dorian Yates trains as well. So whenever um, I have been, re well, I was going to say, whenever I told Mark I was training Dorian Yates, I think he actually cried a little. Like, have you ever seen a grown man cry? Well, I saw a grown man cry that day because this is really Mark's idol. But, you know, I have, of course, followed Dorian Yates and his style of training. I've listened to his podcast. I've watched his videos. You know, it's very much the way that I like to train very intensely, you know, with, with real guts. He actually has, a, a I think, a, a video out called Blood and Guts, which really is quite intense to watch it. But whenever, um, whenever I first heard about Dorian Yates, and obviously whenever I started this podcast, I've reached out to him a few times just asking him, could I interview him? And then finally, um, the time was 
was right. I do believe, in, you know, things will happen when the time is right. And Dorian uh, responded to me a couple of weeks ago and said, yes, he would be, you know, free for a podcast interview. So we set up the podcast interview for today. And I cannot wait to share um, Dorian with you and to share his training philosophies with you simply because it's okay for me to sit here and say to you guys, this is the way you need to train. This is the fastest way to build muscle. This is how you're supposed to do it. And But, you know, whenever you only hear it from one person, you do kind of wonder, is it really? Or, you know, unless you've tried it yourself, it's really only theory. But then whenever you hear someone like Dorian Yates, who was six times Mr. Olympia, he had 15 major contest wins in his career, but he also won the Mr. Olympia title, which if you're not familiar with the Olympia is the biggest bodybuilding show in the world. And he won the title six times in a row. That is literally unheard of. There is, you can count on one hand. I think there's only three or four people who have won that title many years in a row. It is is a spectacular feat and he really does not do very many interviews. Um, you will find, you know, podcasts, interviews and different things for Dorian, with Dorian, but they're usually only on, you know, big podcasts like, you know, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and, and people like that. So to even have him here talking to us today is such an amazing feat. You have no idea. So can you tell now why I'm excited? Um, Dorian and I also said, you know, we share a lot of the same philosophies. You know, the first one or the main one being like, neither of us give a fuck. We're just like, don't give a fuck. Just be who you are. Do what you want to do. Live your life the way you want to live it. And just don't worry about what anyone else says. And anyone who trains as hard as Dorian did and has that philosophy is right up there as a winner in my book. So let's go to the interview with Dorian now. And I will chat to you guys at the end. Hey, Dorian, thank you so much for agreeing to this interview. I know I said I was fangirling all over you a second ago, and I totally am, but I really appreciate you, you being here. My, my pleasure to be on here. I'm uh, currently on lockdown in Spain, so uh, I'm kind of, uh, we're stuck in the house most of the time. Oh, that's great. So I have you for about three hours then, do I? Yeah, you've got me on. <laughs> I can't escape. <laughs> oh, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Um, Dorian, like I said, I've been... Um, this has kind of been on my radar for a long time to to interview you, and and I, I I've listened to many many podcasts actually, um, you know where you discuss your training and all different stuff, and of course I do want to dive into that today as well. But I am really really interested, um, just to start, you know, about your background because you were born in Hurley in a small village in Warwickshire, which is in England, obviously across the pond from from where I am. What was that like? Um, well, I grew up on a what we call the small holding, so. It was not really a farm, but it was a, a kind of a small farmhouse and a few fields. So uh, my mom was a keen equestrian, and she used to do um, horse riding lessons and so on. And we had dogs and ducks and chickens and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was um very kind of outdoorsy lifestyle, and I did a lot of walking and, and biking and stuff. So it was a good... Um, healthy lifestyle for a kid I guess mm -hmm. but you lost your father when you were only 13 yeah I lost my father um he died of uh heart attack he was only 42 and um shortly after that my mom met somebody else and we moved to to Birmingham which is a bit you know was a bit of a change going from the more kind of rural um to the city so that was a change but I mean eventually that's where I got introduced to to the gym and, and to weights and so on. So maybe that wouldn't have happened if I was back in Hurley. You know, my, I have four kids and one of mine is 13. And 
you know, I can't even imagine what it would be like. You know, it's such an, a formative, you know, time in a in a young man's life. You know, thirteen years old, you just uh, as a boy anyway, and you know, you you're going through puberty, you're becoming a man. You want to, you really do need that male role model there, I guess. I think it's only like later on when I could really like be analytical about it to realize how um, how much of an effect that was, especially at that point. Yeah, because you have a son yourself, don't you? Yeah, I have a son now. His uh, Lewis is uh, 35, and I have a daughter, Tiny. She just turned 19. So I've got two kids of my own. Um, but tell me then, whenever you were still a teenager, you became a skinhead and got, in- got involved with a gang. Is that right? Tell me how that happened. Yeah, well, you know, kind of loosely gang. It's, it's more like skinheads and punks and mods and, you know, all these different kind of genres and fashions that when I was growing up, that was just the way it was. You were probably in one of these groups or you're a bit off the scene, you know. Yeah, do you not find as well, though, you know, I am obviously, you know, a professional bodybuilder, nowhere near your level, of course, but, um, you know, own a, a large company that I started myself, you know, so I suppose I would call myself pretty successful. But do you not find, though, that I know as a teenager, I was horrendous. My mother always says I was her biggest challenge. I got, you know, I got into drugs and into drink and into bringing home bad boyfriends. And, you know, I was, I think that, you know, sometimes... I did the same, I bring any bad boyfriends. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I, I left home at 16, so I had no parental, like, guidelines or anything. I just kind of on my own and with my, you know, with my friends and stuff. I'd stay at friends' houses, eventually got my own little bed sit and so on. So. um you know, we're just wild kids who didn't have anyone there to like monitor us really. When did you get serious about weight training, Jory? And like, when did you think, you know, this is something I could really excel at? When did it was there, was there an aha moment or? Well, maybe I was, uh, was sent to detention center for a few months when I was 19. And in there, they have a regime of, uh, you know, physical regime of training and marching and all this kind of stuff. The idea was. To get these kids where they're still young and teach them discipline, and you know, hopefully, get them away from a life of crime and so on. Uh, I don't know if it worked, but with me, I was introduced to circuit training there and weights. And again, you know, I was very good at it. I fell in love with it, and uh, I stood out from everyone else there. So I thought, oh, this is something that I'm good at that I can work with, and it's something positive. And I want to do this. I want to do this when I can. When I get a job and I get stability, I want to do bodybuilding. It wasn't something casual. It's like I'm going to do bodybuilding and I'm going to compete and I want to win competitions and I want to build my life with this bodybuilding. I wasn't thinking about winning Mr. Olympia or anything along those lines, but I, I knew that it was something that would be positive, even if it was just I got me a job or, or you know something like this. At that point, I didn't know the extent of, of how positive it would be, but. Um, it was something I was definitely going to pursue and not casually. It was, uh, you know, something very serious. And when I started training, um, you know, I stopped drinking, I stopped going out. I just put everything into, into the bodybuilding. Yeah. If I try you on actually, which is what I love to do, you know, try on how that would feel kind of 19 years of age, 19, 20 years of age. It must've felt good to have something to really focus on and channel your energy into almost like. Yeah, you know, it, it was total action. focus and, uh, it just. I look back now, I had absolutely nothing. I mean, I didn't have a car or anything until and the, when I was able to get a car was when I eventually opened the gym. And I opened the gym because I won the British Championship when I was 24 years old. 
and uh, somebody else recognized my potential and so on. And they financed the gym because I had no money to open a gym. I had no money for anything. So we opened the gym. I started getting a salary and a car. So, uh, you know, all, like most of my friends and people my age, they had a car, they had a job, they had this and that, and maybe they had more things materially. But I just, it never bothered me at all now looking back. I just knew I was doing this thing that I was like, I really loved doing. And it was something very different. And I wanted to be different from everybody else. And I wanted to build my life differently. And uh, I could see it happening, even though, like, I, I told the story once I won the British Championship. And it was a big deal, you know, winning the British Championship. All the people from the gym there, I think it was like two busloads and People from the magazines were there. There were thousands of people there. It was a big deal, best in the country. But I still went home to a council uh, flat in Birmingham with not not hardly any furniture and no car and no money. So, um, yeah, I was fortunate that somebody recognized something in me and uh, potential, and they backed me with the gym. And that was when I, you know, first started to earn a decent kind of uh, income. Yeah, do you not find though, um, and this is kind of a little side topic, you know, I, it's the same with, well, it's not the same with me at all. I train um, and I, tra- I train every day. Well, I train five days a week and, you know, training takes up a, a lot of time, a lot of intensity. It feels really good. And and so I think that as human beings, we have a natural need for adversity. We have a natural need to channel our energy into something. And I find that if you're not channeling your energy into something like training at the gym or, um, you know, lifting heavy weights, really you know taking your central nervous system everything takes a bash you know it's it's you're kind of you're wrung out at the end of it then you will channel your energy into something like you know spending or drinking or you know whatever but you can't physically do both you know like i i feel like i like i certainly can't go out and drink or party i never buy clothes because i'm always in gym gear you know i think that it takes up so much of your physical and mental energy that you don't really have time for for a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like entertainment uh, on the other negative, side? Uh, negative pursuits, maybe, you could yeah. call, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you've got that commitment to your training and you want to get results out of it, then you know that going out for a few drinks is going to mess up how you, your energy levels the next day and how you feel and you're going to the gym. And you just choose which one's more important to you. And it's going to be, if you've got your goal, then it's going to be... Um, going to the gym so uh, that's the way I saw it I'm putting my energy into something positive and out of that something positive will come back to me and uh, you know fortunately that's the way it works out tell me about I love that you said you've got a goal because whenever people join our any of our programs but usually our 18 month sculpt and shred the first thing the first lesson in in the members area is goal setting and measurement and that's that's the first thing we get people to do tell me about your thoughts on setting a goal and why it's important uh well this is something i learned uh, very early on and uh something that helped me with that was keeping a diary keeping records of all the workouts and diets and everything like that so i could be analytical and set myself um long-term goals so for me a long-term goal would probably be a yearly goal which at some point after the first couple of years turned out to be competition because i was a competitive bodybuilder amateur and then professional so i was competing every year so that point would be the um, the long-term goal if you like and then i would break that down into shorter term goals like what am i going to try to achieve this month 
and I write that down. And even from workout to workout, I would review this. This is what we did last week on legs, X amount of kilos for 10 reps. And uh, that's my goal this week is to beat that. So I have a goal even for each workout, each month and, and year. And you've got something to work to. And you're breaking this um, long-term goals, goals into shorter, more achievable, visible goals. So it's like if you want to climb Mount Everest and you just look at the top, which you probably couldn't even see if it covered in clouds. But anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, it would just be so daunting. Like how can anyone do that? But if you were to say, okay, well, that's a long-term goal and I'm going to do it, but let me focus now on getting to this first ridge this first point and when i get to that next that first point then i'll assess and then i'll aim for the next one and i'll break it down like that and each one of those little steps eventually will lead to the big journey but if you're trying to look at the big journey then it's it's too daunting it's too far away so that's why it's important to break it down into to little goals that are achievable and then you get that feedback when you're able to achieve that goal that you've you've done something and you're more motivated then to try and do that and get a bigger goal mm -hmm. oh, yes i love it so just a next step process then at the end of the day it's just the only way you can feel to achieve your goal is to not take the next step yeah and uh, you know to visualize your goals as well actually happening before they do this is a uh, kind of visualization or manifestation whatever you want to call it different mm -hmm. names for the same thing were you doing that even back then yeah like i even for, for each workout or you know, maybe when doing cardio or walking or something like that, I used to think a lot and visualize myself at a contest or look in a certain way and just keep putting that kind of input into my mind. Mm. Uh, Dorian, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today specifically is because I am um, the, the training that I teach in all of my programs, and we have a full suite of training programs, shred programs, building programs, but the... Um, the training that we teach in all of the strength training is, well, uh, this is what I want to get into, whether it's yours or whether you would say it's it's Mike Menser's or Arthur Jones, or whatever, but it is, you yeah. know, high intensity training. And I do actually give you a massive amount of tribute in all of my programs for, um, for this style of training. But I do teach, I do practice high intensity training taught to me by my trainer, Mark Getty who learned it from you, um, not directly from you, but from you indirectly yeah. uh, through studying you. But um, you started, you were an early proponent of the shorter sessions, but with higher intensity. So like, you know, what was your training like whenever you were, you know, really training hard as a professional? Like how many days did you, you know, a week did you train for how well, long? It, Can you break it, it down? progressed and, uh, you know, to give credit where it's due, the whole, um, the philosophy, the the science behind high-intensity training originally came from Arthur Jones, who was uh, the guy that um, made the Nautilus exercise machines. Um, so his idea was then taken by one of his sometimes students, Mike Menser, that went on to be Mr. Universe, compete in Mr. Olympia, and uh, was a big star in bodybuilding in the, in the 80s. Uh, Mike took those principles and maybe adapted them a little bit more um, <clears throat> for competitive bodybuilding and also commercialized it by calling it heavy duty and a lot of people bought the courses and got interested in it and so on. Um, so those were the guys that came before me and then I took that information um, that they developed and kind of 
tested it on my own body and my own recovery and maybe changed it a little bit. But the principles are there. I mean, the principle is that you're going to train with a uh, degree of intensity uh, to muscular failure and something that your body's not used to, basically. So it's going to adapt to that level of stress. Um, and that level of stress has to be balanced then with um, enough time to recover from the stress. Because no recovery, there's no progress. So you need stimulus, you need recovery time, and then you need overcompensation time. So that's the basic uh, idea behind it. And I have no doubt if it's performed correctly, then is the most efficient way to build muscle in the shortest period of time. Um, and not just because it worked for me, just I have any, anyone that comes to train with me, they're just, they're blown away with how much progress they make in such a short time. I have people coming to train with me, maybe in uh, three or four weeks, they make more progress than they made in the past year or two because they, their body has become accustomed to whatever they're doing and they're just stagnating. And, uh, and you take the intensity to the next level, the body starts to react again. Right. Well, I have to say, I am actually I mean. I whenever I went to train with with Mark Getty, my trainer, <laughs> I had never trained this way, and I'd been training probably for let me see, I trained for about a year, and then I I um and then I stood on stage. I, I think I think I trained for about two years before I went to train with Mark. I trained with a trainer, then I trained myself, and I'm a I, listen. I'm a badass, right? I I don't shy away from hard work, yeah. so I was training as hard as I possibly could in the gym, and then I went to train with Mark, and the first time we trained was legs, and I couldn't walk without pain for 11 days i'm not joking 11 days i had to walk backwards down the stairs it was it was insane and so and then but my body my quads literally doubled in size in the next year i've been training with mark now just under two years two years in april and my yeah. body is i've gone from 57 kilos to 60 67 kilos i stand on this on the scales at the minute lean stage lean i'm usually i'm about 66 65 about a half 66 kilos so you know in in two years i've put on that's very dramatic. Eight, yeah. yeah, eight kilos of muscle. Like that's 16 and a half, 17, nearly 20 pounds of muscle. Like it's just through training this way. Of course, my gains are slower now because, you know, I've been training this way for a long time. But you're right. So, like, you know, training to failure, right? It's something I'm always, always, always teaching. Tell me about like how important lifting to failure is. Can you back me up on this? Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's important, but it's um, also very intense. So, uh, you've got to balance the volume with it. You can't do a lot of volume training like this. In fact, there's no need to do a lot of volume. Right. Um, you wouldn't want to. I live heard you say so many no, times. No, you also you wouldn't want to. Some, you know, I, do, I do it for a joke sometimes when somebody's yeah. training and we're doing legs. And, you know, we've only done like, I don't know, six or seven sets. And I'm like, you want to do more, really? You, would you like to do some more? And they're like, please. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't need to do any more. <laughs> uh, most people like, because it's just a bit of a shock to the system, um, most people when they're training legs and the first time they vomit. So, right. you know, it's just such an oxidant and death that builds up and it's a bit of a shock. Um, I had one guy, um, Dan Christian training with me and his legs were weak and we trained together only about, because we trained just once a week because you've got to recover from this stuff. So mm -hmm. once a week for about eight weeks and his legs were transformed. And I mean, he threw up every workout, but right. good for him, came back every week and the, the results were really dramatic. Right. I heard actually, um, Mark said to me the other week something about, and, and this is just as, as a slight going off at a tangent, but, and I don't know whether you knew anything about this, that the hormone 
that is released whenever you are pregnant in the first trimester that makes you feel nauseous is the same hormone that is released whenever your central nervous system takes a beating like in a, in a big leg day. Well, is that something that you, that. Have you ever heard that before? No, I didn't know that. But some of the noises coming out of people sounds like they're giving birth. So maybe. Yeah, well, the, the noise at the start of this podcast, actually, a lot of people, it's funny because we were getting a lot of people writing in and saying, you know, the intro to this podcast is me, you know, yeah. doing this as well with the music. And a lot of people were writing in and leaving reviews and saying, love your podcast, Kim, but, you know, the noise at the start really scares me. Or I was on the treadmill, I nearly fell off. I thought there was somebody crying. So I did, I actually did a like an, a, an intro and I said to them, listen, guys, I have to tell you where that came from. I said it was my it was my PB um, on an incline hack squat. I said it was 190 kilos. Now my PB is 200 kilos for six, but this was a year ago. It was 190 kilos. I said it was my first rep of my final failure set. And I said, let me tell you something. I wasn't thinking anything except getting down to the bottom and getting back up again so the scream comes from there this level of effort and whatever noise you need to make or whatever right this should be normal yeah it used to be normal in the gym that was the culture right now it's like it's not so normal and you turn heads and some gyms don't want you to do that because you're going to upset the people in there and everything so um great if uh if you're pushing real training and you know, you're going to be in pain, you're going to make some noise. Not a pretty, no. not a pretty thing, no. you know, no. um, but that's, it's about hard work. That's what it's about. And there's no way really around that. Like doesn't matter what program you do or whatever, you know, you got to do some hard work here. If you want to get past a certain level, um, most people make some progress for 12, 18 months. And after that, you'll see that they don't really change that much because after that point, the body's getting accustomed to a certain level of stress. And if you don't go beyond that, it's got no reason to react. The body wants to keep balance, so it doesn't want to keep changing. Uh, so you've got to give it a good bloody reason to do that and uh, training into the zone that you're uncomfortable in is the only way to do that. Right. Now, I'm actually just going to use this this interview as kind of my my personal Dorian Yates coaching session because another question I want to ask you as well. Um, so whenever you are training, like how long were your training sessions? About like 40 minutes, 45 minutes or longer? Around 40, 45 minutes. Maybe a leg day was longer just because the rest periods were longer. Mm-hmm. Um, on a leg day, we used to do full legs. So um, quads, hamstrings and calves. All together, um, maybe if you had weak calves, I wouldn't uh, recommend that. I do your calves separately, but I didn't have that. My calves were strong, so they were. Um, we used to rest more. Obviously, the heavier the, the more muscle involved, the more weight used, um, the more oxygen debt you're going to um, build up. So, the longer you're going to need to recover between sets in order to give the next set 100% muscular failure, not running out of gas. Um, so leg was probably the longest day just because longer rest periods. Um, but that was never more than an hour. So I would say average 45 minutes, four times a week. Um, so, you you know, three hours a week in the gym, um, was what I was doing to win six Mr. Olympias, which doesn't sound much, but you have to understand the concept that it's about the intensity. It's not about, if I truly believed that it would help me to be a better bodybuilder and to win the Mr. Olympia. If I thought that doing 20 hours a gym a day in the gym lifting weights would help me, you would I would have done it, done it because, right. you know, I was driven to be a winner. So whatever it took, but I realized that it took less and less 
in terms of volume and time in the gym, more on focus and, and intensity. Um, and you can't, you know, people say to me, oh, I've been training for two hours today in the gym. Well, I know they haven't been training for two hours because you couldn't sustain that level no. of training for a couple of hours. No, you're right. They're just maintaining. One other thing I actually want to ask you is... Yeah, most people um, going to the gym are maintaining. Take a picture yeah. in your mind of the people in the gym when you go tomorrow and go back in a year's time. Most of them will look the same, which is fine if that's what your goal is. But if you're kidding yourself that you want to try and improve, then you need a plan and you need, uh, you know, proper recovery and you need to really push yourself and so on. You can't just wander in the gym and expect to get, like, results as, you, you know... You do in the first year or so because your body's not used to anything. If you haven't never done push-ups before, just doing some push-ups will give you some pep and doubt development probably. But at some point, your body gets used to that. So um, it's always you must be progressive. Now, let me ask you just on that point. Um, whenever people join my 18-month program, you know, as they progress through the phases, sometimes they write, you know, they come into phase, each phase is 10, 10 weeks long. And they come in to say phase two and they go, Oh, they post on our face, private Facebook group and they say, I'm a little disappointed because I've just downloaded the workout PDF. And like apart from maybe leg press instead of incline hack squat or whatever, yeah. the, the exercises are really just the same. And I always say to them, well, do you want to be entertained or do you want to progress? I have, I, have this, uh, I have this issue as well, you know. You, you have a lot of trainers out there right now. There's a whole industry of trainers and coaches and nutritionists. And True. Um. They're selling products, and they want to sell as many products as they can. So in, in a lot of cases, I think it's a case of giving people what you think those people want. Right. And people always want something new and something different. Yeah? Right. So should I change my routine every month or every two months or every six weeks and change this and change that? Honest advice, guys. If you've got a good fucking exercise like leg press or squats or whatever it is, you're going to do those all the time. And you could ask myself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lee Haney, any of the top champions. For instance, what did you do for chest? Nearly everybody did bench press or some version of bench press, incline press, and flies. Right. You know, that, that's it. That's, uh, that's it. Because these exercises work. So I wouldn't advise somebody just to change the exercise um, just so, you know, they kind of think they're getting something new. But the thing is, you lift more weight every time you get there. Do more reps. Do more. Not changing the exercise is not going to do it for you. Your body doesn't know what exercise it's doing. It doesn't know. It just knows if it's going beyond its limit and it needs to adapt to that stress by building some more muscle. And uh, there's only a certain amount of exercises that are really uh, effective and they're tried and tested and they may vary from one person to another depending on their mechanics. And, uh, yeah, maybe you get burnt out on one exercise mentally. So just changing it to another exercise might stimulate you mentally and therefore you give more physically. So there could be that aspect to it. Well, there is no physical reason to keep changing the exercises. Uh, my, my routine was pretty much always the same. The only thing that would vary would be I would train very high intensity, very uh, heavy and all out for maybe six weeks. And then I would do a, um, a down cycle of um, working below my capacity, almost like active rest, giving the nervous system a rest, um, giving the body a rest, but not a total rest. So you're still lifting, but below capacity for a couple of weeks to let general recovery and then push again. So uh, I do believe you need to cycle the training. You can't go 
all of the time, uh, forever. You will get injured or get burnt out. Right. But mentally as well as physically, I think. Mentally and, and, and physically, yeah. So if you train really hard for six weeks and you're able to increase the resistance and make some progress, then it's kind of like you taking one little step back and maintaining for a while and then pushing again. And over the long period of time, I think you'll get more out of this rather than just pushing, 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 and to some point where you get overtrained or you get injured and, and you're forced to take a rest anyway, and then you go backwards. Right, right. Um, one other thing I want to ask you about is your Mr. Olympia. How did your life change whenever you became Mr. Olympia? Oh, it, changed, it changed a lot um, in terms of... Um, Financially, or you know, I mean, not compared <laughs> to other sports. Yeah, <laughs> not compared to other sports, but going from, um, you know, the only money I was earning really was just from the gym. Even my first professional show, I earned, I think it was seven thousand dollars. So I mean, you know, it's not a lot. You got to, I had to fly to New York and get accommodation and all this stuff. So you're not really earning anything. Um, so financially, it changed a lot. Um, but other than that, it didn't change too much. I didn't want it to change too much because I wanted to keep myself um, hungry and in the right environment to be the best competitive bodybuilder I could be. It was not the money was great, and I was earning some decent money now. Um, but it wasn't the prime goal. The main goal was to be as good as I could be. And one day I'm going to hang up my, you know, hang up my weightlifting belt and and not be doing this anymore so uh once i got the mr olympia then it was like you know how good can i get how far can we take this that was kind of my mission at that point and to keeping myself in birmingham still training at my gym um you know with the family and all that stuff was keeping me stable where i was thinking if i go to the states uh so much stuff going on there would be a big distraction and everyone would put it on my time and all that stuff you know Mm -hmm. Did you actually enjoy the fame that came with all of your titles and your notoriety? To a degree. I mean, it's nice to be recognized for what you do. I think that's more to the point. Um, but, um, you know, if I walk down the street and nobody ever recognizes me, I, you know, it's fine with me. Mm -hmm. I don't really like that um, intrusion on my kind of privacy and stuff, if you like. Um, but, you know, it's... Bodybuilding is a fairly small world, so if you go to the gym and you're seriously into your weights, you're probably going to know who Dorian Yates is, but not everybody. It's not like I can't walk down the streets or anything, you know, so um, fine. Uh, it, it's nice to be – it's more like I feel it's nice to be recognized for what you achieved than people that are in that game who go to the gym and so on. I think they can appreciate what's gone into that, whereas somebody else that's not – from this world wouldn't really, I mean, they can't really appreciate it really because they haven't tried it themselves and know how difficult it, it can be. One of the things I always teach actually in, not in my programs, but in free stuff is about how I always say to people, you know, body, yes, most people show up to the gym for, if you're like the wrong reason, I, I call it like doing the right thing for the wrong reason. You know, they show up because they want to have a six pack or they want to get rid of their cellulite, well, women anyway, certainly that I would coach and, or they, they want to look really good in a bikini or whatever. But what they actually, I always say like you show up for that reason, but what you actually get is something much more profound. You get 
a, oh, yeah. a sense of achievement, of discipline. You get a belief in yourself that you're the kind of person who shows up every day and does the work. And I think that that's so much more important than than the body that you achieve. And I suppose you probably felt that as well, going from, you know, having a, a rocky childhood, if you like, to, you know, finding the gym and putting your focus into that. Absolutely. The mental side of it was probably more important. Um, Do you think it saved you? Anything, really. Saved in inverted commas. You were in a detention center. You know, you had a rocky childhood. Yeah. You. And uh, it's um, something I could put my energy into that, that was positive rather than being... It's easy to fall into negativity in those um, circumstances. Especially with all that testosterone. <laughs> exactly. You're young. You yeah, know. exactly. It is um, true. So, you know, I was focused in there. And um, I love the challenge. Yeah, of course, it's great to have whatever physical results, six-pack or big arms or whatever it is you want to get. Um, but it's the process of, of mm -hmm. getting it that... Uh, it's almost like mastery of yourself, you know, yes. your impulses. Your impulse is not to be uncomfortable, right? I mean, you know. Of course. And, and I walk around sore it. every day. There's not one day I wake up and I'm not sore somewhere in my body. And well, that a takes a lot of discipline. Even the soreness, when you feel it, you feel like, wow, I've done something here. I've achieved something. And that just, that builds on itself. Yeah, that you kind feel alive. Of confidence that you are able to get through some tough shit and you've done it and you you know, and then next time it will be a little bit easier because you've done that before. And I think the opposite can be true as well. If, if something comes along that's difficult and you kind of give up, then that can be a habit as well. So um, I think it's developing strength of character and positive habits. And that can that can then go into anything in your life, really. Mm hmm you're right. We call them postulates, actually. You build a postulate. So you, you develop a postulate that you're the kind of person who can get through hard shit. You know, you yeah. just, you do it every day. Like, you know, like I was training legs this morning and we had a hundred and, you know, 180 kilos on the V squat. And when I get under 180 kilos in the V squat, I'm not, you know, not thinking about anything except not being squished like a pancake. And, yeah. you know, but you come away and it's, you, you know, you go through the fear, you go through, you know, I, I have several doses of the runs, usually vomit after leg day, but, you know, you go through that every week and realize, you know, you can be on the toilet, you can be vomiting, you can, you know, have your adrenaline running, your nervous system can take a beating and then you can walk away and here I am now chatting to you at 5 yeah, p.m. in the evening, you know. You're still yeah, so alive. That's what I used to say to people do when they train legs with me, like you'll still be alive afterwards. Like, <laughs> Barely I'm, hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I'm just asking for a couple of minutes of your time here to do this set. Yeah, how bad can it be? It's gonna last two minutes maximum. Like, come on. One final failure set in like five exercises. That's at five minutes. I'm asking you for five well, minutes out of twenty four hours. Next one is gonna come up. We'll just focus on this one at first. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. When you know it, the more things you can the more hardship you can get through, the, the easier it is next time and the more conditioned you are. It's like conditioning your mind. Right. How, how important, Dorian, was mindset to your success? Like, Give us a taste of how you used to, how you used your mind to get an advantage in life or in bodybuilding or whatever. I was just totally obsessed with every aspect. First of all, learning, which I, I really enjoyed learning about nutrition, about training and everything else that's involved in uh competitive bodybuilding so it was uh the whole process was uh was fascinating for me and it was very individual as well right it's not a team sport now maybe a little bit more with trainers and coaches but um i think i was well suited to that mentally for it being individual uh endeavor and i guess i probably did want to show people like hey 
you know. I can do this. I've done this myself, uh, where probably a lot of people wouldn't have, you know, they would have wrote me off when I was younger. Um, I've heard that you are, um, you eat predominantly a plant-based diet now, is that correct? Yeah, that's the way it's worked out because I'm, uh, as I said, I'm always learning, always studying. And um, my questions are different now. My questions are not how can I build as much muscle as possible or get as strong or, uh, or anything like that. My question now is what's the best diet for my health? For my longevity, for my quality of life, for getting older, and I read, you know, I read quite a lot and watch a lot, and uh, I came to the conclusion that a plant-based diet is uh, is the answer to that, and it's the only diet that doctors have used. There's a couple of doctors in the states, um, you know, documented to reverse heart disease and reverse cancer. No drugs, no surgery, just solely the diet. So. Um, if it can reverse disease and cure disease, then I think that's um point of that. That's, a, that's the healthiest way to eat. Um, I do still eat some fish occasionally and some free-range eggs, but uh, red meat, no chicken, I pretty much gave that up. So I kind of just phased it out and didn't go from one day to another. And I saw how I felt and then... I go back and, okay, let me see how I feel about eating a steak. I had one and I felt shitty, didn't like it, didn't feel good. So, okay, I want to do that again and kind of just slowly uh, went like that. And then, of course, there's going to be another question. Um, is the best diet for your health the best diet for your suit of bodybuilding? And I don't know the answer to that. And uh, it may be that there are two different things um, because the diet that I'm on now is naturally fairly low in protein. Um, I do take a vegan uh, supplement like protein, um, which I'm going to have in my range shortly as well, available for people because a lot of people are asking me. Uh, we're going to have that. So I have one of those a day. And then, you know, it's like lentils and rice and, chickpeas and vegetables things like that so i don't count exactly but i'm probably only getting like 70 80 grams of protein a day whereas when i was bodybuilding and we can question whether this was needed or not but anyway it's the case i was probably eating 350 400 grams of protein a day what did you weigh at the time 220 220? Uh, i weighed like uh, over 300 pounds yeah. over 300 pounds yeah so now I'm, I'm 220 so i wouldn't require as much um but could you be a professional bodybuilder on a vegan diet? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it may be possible with a lot of supplementation, but it would be difficult. It would be very difficult. You know, I, yeah. I, I, and I always say to people, it depends on your goal. You know, like my audience is, is 60% women. Yes, there's a lot of men. Yeah. Like I, I talked about my trainer, Mark. Mark is, you know, I don't know what weight he is, but he weighs a lot. And, uh, and he's, uh, you know, and I've, and he eats a lot of plant-based food, but he's also said that came at, you know, when I'm prepping for a show, it's like, it's high on earth, would I get the amount of protein that I believe that I need, you know, and I'm not, he's, he always says, I'm not willing to take a chance to find out, you know, and I think that's, yeah. that's really what happens. If you find something that works for you, listen, I'm not one of these preachy vegans. I always say vegans are the meanest bunch of bastards you'll ever meet. Like they're so nasty to each yeah, other. Anyone that takes a very extreme 
point of view is usually it's not fearful, not helpful, Which, you know. Yeah. No, no, you're right, 100. percent I would say just it depends on your. I mean, you know, I, I live with my wife and she eats meat, but that's you know we don't really have an issue about that. I made no. my choices, has made hers, and who knows they might change later on anyway. So. Yeah, it's important uh, to be flexible, isn't it? I think. Yeah, you know, ten years ago time. I was eating meat and not really thinking anything about it. So uh, now it's a it's a kind of multiple thing where I'm coming from a health point of view, but I'm also coming from a spiritual point of view that I don't really want to be involved in the suffering that the animals go through in a you know um, industrial kind of fashion that they're, they're treated in. Now it's not just the fact that they're being killed. I mean. Um, I'm not squeamish. I used to work actually when I was when I was a teenager in a slaughterhouse, so I know everything that goes on there. And um, it's just the life of the animal is not just the point that it doesn't feel good when it's dying. It's it's the whole life they're suffering in cages, and so I just decided I didn't want to be part of that. But that's just my choice. I don't go around standing on a soapbox and telling people what they should do. Well, here, listen, you're on a vegan podcast, so you can shout it from the rooftops here. Yeah. <laughs> Although we do have, interestingly, do you know that only 20% of people who are in my network or who purchase my programs are actually vegan? Only 20%. Yeah. 60% are not vegan. They're like omnivore, car carnivore, or whatever. I got told off the other day. Apparently, it's not a carnivore anymore. It's an omnivore. So I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, I got the labels wrong. But um, but yeah, you're right. No, And I think that, you know, obviously, you're a deep thinker. And for me, people ask me all the time, well, why do I never do any um, activism? And I never have any vegan activism on my page. I never, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and I would say, well, firstly, you never changed anyone's mind by, you know, by making them feel bad about themselves. Um, secondly, I think that, you know, part of my choice for being veganism, yes, it it is, or being vegan, sorry, it is about, you know, how the animals are treated too, but it's also about looking at the macro scale. You know, I, I, I said to people, do you ever, you know, it's about thinking a little bit more deeply about, you know, about how things get to our plate. And it's not only that the animals are, um, how they're treated for me. It's about, you know, the, the, the energy that goes into feeding one oh, yeah, cow for meat. It doesn't make sense either. Yeah, it's insane. It could feed 2,000 hungry people by the time yeah. you've, you know, you've raised it, you've given, you know, you've farmed the grain, you've bagged the grain, you've got them the grain, you've fed that to the cow, you know. It's it's about really just, you know, having a, a view bigger than, you know, what's for dinner tonight. It's about looking, you know, on a much wider level at the world. But I think, you know, I think during that kind of thinking comes, you know, certainly like I'm in my 40s, but I think it, you know, as you get wiser and more mature and you stop being so self-centered and focused on, you know, what, as, as we generally are when we're younger, I, t I think yeah. that's what happens a little as you get older. And certainly I know you're into meditation and things as well now, aren't you? You're much more yeah, I'm, uh, you know, spiritual. You're a spiritual guru now. I guess I was uh, meditating before when I was lifting weights. It was, right. Moving now meditation. Now I'm doing it more, more formally, like to, you know, raise my energy and uh, get, keep in touch with something uh, bigger, whatever you want to call it, you know, whether you want to call it God or the universe or, you know, uh, a collective. There's, there's something bigger that we're all part of and I just take a bit of time every day to try and um, connect with that and remind myself of that. I think you're going to have hordes of female fans after this. Let me tell you something. Not not only are you are you you know a badass. Well, like you do, have a right now, my Instagram is 92 percent male, so we've definitely got some. Really, 92 percent. Yeah. 
Oh, well, of course, it does make sense. Well, let me tell you, there's there's a, a movement of, and that's I want to actually talk about your DY Academy in a, in a second as well. But there's, a, let me tell you something now. There's a whole movement of women that I believe, or I would like to believe that I am leading into. You know, like I I did a free masterclass the other day, and I said to the guys, I was like, like, listen, stop training like a girl. I was like, stop it. You know, this is all women on this masterclass. It's like, stop training like a girl. You know, like yeah, but I, I, you know, I trained a few ladies, and in my experience. I don't know. Maybe if you find the right one, they'll tr- they'll. You know, they they they're coming to train with Dorian Yates, so they they must come with something in of mind course. and know what to expect. But uh, they tend to whimper and cry and make excuses a lot less than the guys do. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, but do we we do go through childbirth? So yeah, different pain threshold. Yeah. Yeah, four times naturally at home. I do sometimes feel whenever I'm I'm actually, you know, whenever I'm tuning, especially legs, I have to say, you know, people have said to me, you know, God, you make some noise because I put up my tuning videos on Instagram and, and people say, yeah. God, that actually scared me when I watched that. And I'm like, listen, guys, see whenever I am, on, see whenever I'm performing that exercise, I'm not thinking. I am just, my body like makes sounds like it does during childbirth when you're in labor about to give birth. I've, I have four kids, you know. Well, Let me tell you, you're not thinking. You're not thinking about the noise. Yeah, you're not thinking about anyone in the gym. And if you yeah. are, you're not concentrating on the exercise yeah. and you will not be able to push more load, you know. Um, tell me, Dorian, I want to know, you're launching, you have your DY Nutrition, isn't that yeah. right? Which is yeah, a range of supplements and... We have a DY Nutrition, which is at the moment, we have the Shadow Line, which is a sports nutrition line, bodybuilding line, if you like. And we're in the background now developing a whole new line, which is more health and wellness. Uh, we're working on an immunity product, which is apt uh, at the moment with this virus and everything. Uh, of we're course, yeah. Get it out there quick. Products. Uh, so we're working on all of that. And uh, I'm uh, working on building a platform, DY Academy, to give uh, kind of custom advice from myself and a nutritionist and uh some other people that I've, uh, you know, certified in my methods. So they'll get their, their program and their advice and updates and everything uh, from myself and, uh, and the team there. So DY Academy, have, do you have a launch date for it? Can you tell us anything we about no, it? We're, we're still kind of working on it. I want to get everything more or less lined up before we um, do we'll a launch date. Right. Within, within the next two months, uh, for sure. Ooh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Excited. And of course, though, as we were saying in the beginning, before we, we came live on the interview, everybody's training from home at the minute now. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, maybe we'll have to have a home training session. We'll see how it works out. But uh, it's just, uh, you know, I, I hate to see people wasting time and energy. And that's oh, just what so much in the gym. People go in, you know, they've got good intentions. They want to achieve something, but they're going about it all wrong. Um, so I thought if I can get uh something up there that's uh you know that can reach a lot of people and it's affordable um but still uh individual advice that's what we're trying to do with the dy academy it sounds amazing it sounds absolutely amazing um dorian this has been absolutely insanely helpful thank you so much it's been so nice to have you on here because honestly all they ever hear about (laughs) on this podcast is me banging on about you know how many times can I say, you know, train harder, eat more, <laughs> you know, lift more load, stop changing well, your exercises. When, when the when the lockdown's over, maybe yourself and your trainer should get over to Spain and we'll do 
we go through something together. For Here, Dorian, yeah. can I tell you something? If you ever want to make that happen, I'm there with bells on. With the, I'll bring right. a camera crew and we'll... <laughs> no, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's show your audience uh, how it's done. Here, I would love that. I would, And you know what? You've said it now, live in yeah, front of hundreds of thousands everyone's, of people. Everyone's heard me now. I can't get everyone's out. heard you, so it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen. And also, whenever DY Academy launches, please do let me know and I will share it out to all my network okay. as well. Awesome. Um, we do have a lot of people, you know, I have, I have a lot of competitors follow me who, you know, who want to compete and that kind of stuff. And, and they always ask me, do you, you know, do you train people? Do you do prep? And I'm like, no, I don't, you know, I never had, I only competed seven times. So I, I don't have enough experience to, you know, to, to prep somebody and to, you know, get them to the stage and that kind of way. But I, I do, I do design a pretty good training program, I have to say, but definitely I would love to. Um, well, I'll be having a look at your site. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll set that up. We'll set that up 100%. But Dorian, honestly, this was being um, so amazing. The advice that you gave, just willing, just the fact that you were willing to kind of dig deep and share about your childhood and all that stuff, you know, it really means a lot that you um, were so candid with us. And it's been such a fantastic experience having you on here. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Great stuff. Well, listen, um, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to say I'll chat to you soon. I'll see you soon. If I'm coming out to Spain, whatever, whatever this coronavirus is over and I can travel. As soon as, it won't as, soon be. as the gym's open, yeah? As soon as the gym's open, you let me know. And Mark um, Eddie and I will be there. Mark Eddie, you'll be listening cool. to this. He'll, Mark will be peeing right, his pants Mark. right now. You'll, how to make a grown man cry, Dorian. <laughs> how to make a grown man cry. I'm not even joking. Well, if we do legs, you might see him try, cry. Oh, I, that would give me so much pleasure. You have no idea. You know, because he makes me cry every single week. So it'll be All nice right, to see him. Mark's my favorite. I like I like torturing people. Oh, I love it. I love it. Dorian Yates, thank you so much. You have been absolutely amazing. Thank you, Kim. Thanks a lot. Wasn't that absolutely awesome? Oh my God. I don't know if you're as excited as I am. You're probably not because you know, whenever like you meet someone who is your idol, who you've looked up to for a while, whose training philosophies you've followed, you know, it really is a very special time in my life that, um, you know, that I have been able to speak to Dorian in person, interview him. And, and I really did, you know, kind of treat it as my own personal coaching session, I have to say. And here you guys heard it from the horse's mouth, didn't you? Dorian Yates and I are going to train together. And I have already reached out to my team and text message. I'm like, okay, Dorian has said we're going to train together. Um, so I'm going to bring my team with me to video it. We're going to put that out there. You're going to see the sculpted vegan being trained hard. And, but not only that, you're going to see Mark Getty being trained hard. Isn't that, and I think that's more exciting than anything else because everyone just sees Mark, you know, standing there training me. And whenever Mark puts his sessions on Instagram, do you think he puts on his really hard sessions where he's grunting and swearing and his form's going, no, you only ever see is Mark. Yeah, you see him training hard, but you don't see him like really shitting himself. So I think that, I, I think I would actually pay money just to watch Mark Getty not only cry when he meets Dorian, but actually shit himself and vomit during leg day. So uh, watch this space for that to happen because I swear to God it is going to happen as soon as we come off lockdown from this coronavirus. It absolutely 100% is going to happen. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave me a review. Don't forget that we choose a winner every single month from the reviews left um, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. If you do leave a review, please send me a DM of your review on Instagram so that we can flag it there as well. It just means that we definitely won't miss it. Not that we miss them because we, we are very vigilant about going through them, but I do want to make sure that I don't miss it. You can leave a review on every single podcast, which gives you four chances a month to win a Sculpt and Shred program or any program of your choice. But most people do choose the Sculpt and Shred because it is the most expensive program that we have. So um, don't forget to leave a review. You could be chosen to win one of our coveted programs. Um, and thank you so much for tuning in. I 
really appreciate your time and attention and I will see you next week for another episode of Strong and Sculpted. Have a wonderful week no matter where you are or what you are doing. This is Kim Constable and I will talk to you soon.